Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored, of course, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization. He can help you plan for your family's future. He's local, so give him a call, 940-453-3490. Also sponsored by Greening Law a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so that you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 173, asking simply... That you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, what was that? Oh, so a flag. <laughs> really? We just got a penalty thrown on us. I guess the refs found out that we're going to talk about the game. And they thought, hey, what the hell? We didn't get enough TV time. We want some podcast time. So they threw a flag. <laughs> we are going to get into the game, man. A, a, a game that. <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? Well, I think that's why we do the podcast. We try to figure out how we feel about everything that we witness because, man, it was it was a weird, chunky, clunky, sloppy, odd game, and yeah, we're, we'll go all the way through it. I I, I don't know, but let, let's tell you because you know we had Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America who. He sent me an email the other day, and I was telling you guys about this to remind everybody that it's not just like planning for your future in a sense of 401ks and stocks and bonds or even investing for your children so that they have a little something and help them down the road. It's also the life insurance, and and Modern Woodmen of America have been handling and providing life insurance for 138 years. It's something that you can use to mitigate taxes when passing on taxable assets provides income replacement, takes care of debt and final expenses. And it's also one of the easiest ways to build generational wealth because it's truly dollars for pennies. And Hector can help you with all that type of thing when you start talking about your future, yes, but also your family's future as well. Well, I mean, I think the thing that Hector does, man, and I think that modern woodmen do is they just provide a roadmap for you to figure out what you want to do financially long term because everybody's got different goals. Everybody's not the same. Everybody doesn't want to go at the same pace. Some people are really aggressive. Some people are really conservative. Some people in between. And I think what they do, man, is they sit there and they listen to what it is that you want to accomplish. And then they go, hey, here's how we can help you get there. And to me, that's really all you want is you, if you can help me get there. I'll sure as hell follow. And so to me, that's the best thing that they do. 
It is indeed. It's Hector Flores. He's a local guy, listens to the podcast. You guys can have a conversation about the pod, and then he'll lay it out for you and tell you how you can work on you and and your family's future and getting that taken care of and set up. It is a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based. It doesn't cost anything to meet with Hector. Give him a call. 940-453-3490-940-453-3490. Also, uh, the attorneys there at Greening Law, Robert Greening and his team, the Green team, had a guy reach out to us the other day, I think I told you this, that had said he had sent a picture of his wreck. And it's one of those things, like I tell you guys, you just, you don't plan for wrecks. You have no idea. Hell, most of the time you don't even see it coming. You're just, what what just happened to me? And that's when this conversation all of a sudden becomes very real for you. It did for me a few months ago, and it did for one of our listeners just this past weekend. And the green team has taken his case. And they will be working with him now because he was hurt in a car accident. And they're going to handle all that crap with the insurance companies so that you can truly focus on that healing and renewal. Dude. And how about this? It doesn't cost you anything when you have an incident to pick up the phone and give them a call and say, hey, what do y'all think? Can y'all help me out? Because they'll be honest with you. Yeah, we can. No, we can't. And if they take you on as a case, what I love about the green team, baby, is they don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they are forever grinding in your favor. Indeed, they are. Let them go to work for you. They will be your fierce competitor in that legal battle. Make it happen. What are you waiting for? As Jacques told you, consultations are free. The call is free, and they only get paid if you get compensated. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call now, Office Dallas, Texas. I don't know what I think, man. The Dallas Cowboys are 7-4. and four. The Dallas Cowboys lost in overtime on Thanksgiving Day to the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that had lost three consecutive games and had not cracked more than 16 points in the last three weeks, put up 36 on the Dallas Cowboys, 36 to 33 the final score, and Dallas now has lost three out of their last four games. I was hopeful after the Denver game. They answered it with Atlanta. I was hopeful after the Chiefs game. They did not answer it today, and I will say, this team is mired in a slump right now. This is a problem for this Dallas Cowboys team. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. They are uh, struggling, and the number four, the quarterback, $140 million man, he's at the top of the list, bro. Mm -hmm. Ain't no other way to say it. Doesn't mean I don't think he's an elite quarterback. He's got to play better. Uh, Pat Mahomes went through about a six-week slump today, uh, this season. Um, your boy um, Josh Allen Allen he slumped for a couple times yeah. this year it happens but ain't no sitting there going this is everybody's fault but Dak hey man Dak missed some throws today that he's got to make and if he makes them they probably win this game um, he's got to play better and he's got to start real quick bro yeah and, and that's where look reality of it is We spent the last podcast, and there is some truth to it. It's never just one person's fault, but when you are the money man 
and you are the quarterback, that is when you have success, you get the accolades. And when you fail, you're going to get the blame. And Dak gets a lot of the blame. As you said, you know, there were throws. We saw it in the Kansas City game. I mean, right off the bat, that throw that he overthrew to Michael Gallup where he missed him. There was another throw like that early on in this game where Dak missed a pass in a wide open opportunity that didn't happen for him. And there were a couple of times. There was the one in later in the game where he missed Gallup in the end zone. And then, you know, you look at it and you say, look, in the fourth quarter, Dak was badass. I mean, he dropped a couple of those deep balls in a bucket to Michael Gallup. But the problem is when you lose, if the Cowboys had been able to pull out the win in overtime, then we're talking about, man, those throws that Dak made in the game that Dak had. But the reality of it is when you lose and it's this close, you go back and you look at the mistakes that they were made and, and Dak was the leader of the pack. Oh, there's no doubt about it, man. And, um, you know, I'm a little puzzled. Um, I understand why he uh, – the pressure last week, I think, was a big deal. I don't think the pressure was was extraordinary today. He just made some bad throws. And the last bad throw he made was in overtime, man. It's third mm-hmm. down and about seven or eight. Noah Brown is open. If you lead him with the ball, he catches it. He turns up field. He gets whatever he gets. But more importantly – he gets the first down, he keeps possession of the ball. He threw it behind him and down. Yep. And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> I mean, and I not here's what I thought was funny, man. On TV, Jim Nance is like, well, that's a catchable ball. And Tony Romo was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he, he was. Like, what game are you looking yep. at? That, that, there's no way in the world he's supposed to catch that. You're just supposed to lead him out front with all that space. He runs into it. And it's an easy pitch and catch. And Dak has got to make those throws, bro. And again, I love Dak as much as anybody. Terrific quarterback, man. Elite quarterback. But he just ain't playing like it, man. And to me, and I put this in my grades on the Dallas Morning News that you can that you can read either on my timeline or on sportsday.com. Job number one for the next week, Doc, the next 10 days? Or they, this next week because they play on Thursday. Yeah, they play next week. Thursday night, yeah. Uh, job for the next week, Doc. Fix Dak Prescott. Doesn't matter whether it's mental, doesn't matter whether it's mechanical. You know, whenever his throws are awkward, it's usually a footwork issue with him. Doesn't matter, don't care, just get it fixed. Because this team ain't going nowhere if the quarterback is not playing a high-level football. Yeah, that's three out of four games, man. That, that That's three out of four games that is, when you look at that sample size, it's now a trend. Yeah. And that's a problem. And and some of the throws that he missed and some of the plays that they didn't make, the offensive line is a problem. I, I don't think, and, and you heard, I, I think it was Nance was asking Romo, like, have you ever seen that where they were rotating offensive linemen sets early on? Like, <laughs> like, like you, you would come out and the, like the first series was one set of offensive linemen. And then you get to the second series and the next thing you know, or I guess it was the third series when they changed it. They put Collins at right tackle and Connor Williams comes in at guard. Then on the fourth drive, Steele and McGovern are back out there again. <laughs> that, I, that was bizarre, man, because the offensive line is all about continuity. Well, I think that, that some of that is they don't, like, uh, they don't like Lyle Collins right now. And I've decided, man, I haven't done any work on it at all. I've just decided he's not going to be here next year. Um, I haven't even looked at his money. But if they can cut him at the end of this year and it's a negligible amount of money, I think he's gone. Um, And then I think 
they would love to replace Connor Williams, but Connor McGovern, eh, it's just kind of meh. And so they're just like, well, until we can figure it out, we'll just kind of play both of them until mm-hmm. somebody forces us to uh, to make a move. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting, and I I kind of wonder if that is leading to some of the problems that we're seeing with Dak. You know, we saw it obviously in chapter two, like we used to call it on the radio show, where you talk about after that game where Chaz Green was just absolutely horrible and Dak seems shell shock. And I wonder if he's one of those guys that if he gets knocked around a bit and gets some pressure on him and it, it's a little bit more consistent than what he's used to, he seems kind of skittish a little bit. And I wonder if he just doesn't have that faith in his offensive line that is kind of playing into some of the poor play that we've seen from him in the last month. I mean, that could certainly be some of it, but he had Tyron Smith out there um, this week. I mean, you know, so if you got Tyron Smith out there and you got Zach Martin, and clearly they think Terrence Steele's a better right tackle than Lyle Collins this year, then um, that's as comfortable as you're going to feel, bro. And, you know, some of those throws, the pressure wasn't, uh, wasn't so much that he should have been, you know, out of whack and out of sync. Um, so... I think it's more about the quarterback than anything else. It's more about him playing better. Uh, and I think it's some technical stuff that he can work on and fix, but he's just got to do it and he's got to be more consistent. Uh, when his mechanics get out of whack, and we've seen it before, his accuracy dips. Yeah. Well, we've seen his accuracy dip quite a bit the last few weeks. He's not, he's throwing behind guys, he's missing guys high. He just doesn't look in sync. Now, I will say this. You know, because, again, I heard one of my friends on Twitter, you know, the offense is average. They lose two receivers, and all of a sudden they're pedestrian and easy to cover. Well, dog, I I mean, mean, they did lose their two best receivers. For the most part, you take any team's top two receivers out, and they're going to have trouble moving the ball because there's a reason why guys are kind of slotted as receivers. Uh, Yeah, Michael Michael Gallup and, and Wilson May plays later, but they didn't make them in the first three quarters where no. the game was actually in a position to win it or lose it. Yeah, and that's what's been really weird about this. And you look at this offense, and and yeah, Dak needs to be better. The offensive line needs to be better. But it is still continues to be perplexing, the run game or lack thereof. This is now a five-week problem. I get that Zeke's banged up. He's got the knee. Something's wrong with it. He's not his self. Obviously, as we saw, Pollard was really the one that got more snaps today. But even Tony Pollard, who's usually the more explosive of the two, 10 for 36. Zeke had 9 for 25. They had 20 total carries for 64 yards. And when you look at it, in the last five games, they're averaging 83 yards a game on the ground. Just ain't good enough, bro. Uh, They're not moving people. Uh, The game, they're not being able to dictate the game, you know, in any way, shape, or form. Not by running it, not by throwing it, not by throwing it to set up the run. Uh, They haven't been ahead where they can really dictate things. And that's why it's a slump, man. It doesn't mean the season's over. It doesn't mean they can't accomplish all these other things that they want to accomplish. What it means is football is hard, man. People adjust, and then you have to adjust. And they haven't made their adjustment yet. And it's harder to make your adjustment without your best players out there. It is unfortunate. And there's a lot, I think, when you look at this game, Seven and four, obviously, now is really interesting to me, and, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later on with the Eagles and what they have coming up all of a sudden. And it's weird because, you know, we talked to Todd Archer two weeks ago on the podcast, and he goes, you know, th- this next three-week stretch where they had the Chiefs, 
they have the Raiders and they have the Saints. He goes, you know, they, they have an opportunity to show that they they are they, the team to beat in the NFC. Or these next three games may tell us that they're just a team in the NFC. And so far, you know, they've lost two of these games. I have no idea now, based on what we've seen in recent weeks, they're going to have Cooper and Lamb back next week. Tank's going to be coming back in the next week or two. I don't know what you expect from any of this. I have no idea what to expect anymore. All I know is that right now, you know, Tony Romo talked about it on the broadcast. He goes, this is a huge game for them. If they lose this game, the one seed's probably gone. I would agree with them on that. And, and this feels like Dallas is a team. I still think they win the division, but this isn't a team that you have a lot of faith in right now. And they can, there's six games left. They, they can change that, obviously, and get some momentum. But, I mean, my God, they've sucked for a month. Yeah, they they have, man. But I think this is um, this is the part of the NFL schedule where attrition gets you, and you have to fight through it. And um, I think they will. I think they had they you know, dude. I mean, this whole vaccination thing, bro. It's like, come on, man. This is what people have been talking about all year. This is how I can catch you. And I think if Amari Cooper is here, he stabilizes the passing game in at least one of these two games. And they probably uh, they probably have enough to win it. So with him and Ceedee Lamb coming back against the Saints next week, I think they'll turn it around and win. Uh, but you know, just as I say that, man, they did score thirty points today, and yeah. that should be enough to win most weeks. That defense was atrocious. My bro. God, dude! You it know, was it's trash city. That's one of the things to me: the inconsistencies from week to week within the team where one unit seems like it'll show up a little bit and the offense was really bad early then they started making plays late and no matter the plays that the offense made the defense just would not make a play for them part of that well, was the, the just unbelievable and this has been a problem I, I this team and, and this to me I guess goes back to coaching it's yeah they got penalized they set a franchise record for penalty yards today they've been around since 1960 they've never been penalized like they have today but they commit a hell of a lot of penalties, man, and they committed a lot in horrible situations today. Now, why do you think that's coaching? I don't know. I mean, what else can it be? I mean, but then again, it's not like they're coaching you to, to commit the penalty. Well, no. See, I don't think it's coaching for the most part. I think it's— Lack of um, focus, lack of situational— I don't know what— Like Anthony Brown, that last P.I. call, how, you you, you got to know in that situation, turn my damn head. No, I think, I think that's too simplistic. Because if, if it was that easy, then he would have done it. I think that's the case. Most penalties, to me, um, are the result of you're not good enough on that particular play. And in this particular game, he just had no answer for Deshaun Jackson. Man, He was scared of Deshaun Jackson's speed, even though, even though Anthony Brown is like the fastest DB on the Cowboys. He couldn't handle Deshaun Jackson's speed. And so since he couldn't handle the speed, what did he do? He cheated. And because he cheated... He got caught, and then his problem was he was with an offensive. I mean, he was he was playing in a game where the referees were calling everything, you know, the way it's drawn up in the book. There was no, you know, like, oh, okay, I, I'll just let him play for a minute because we've thrown 50 million flags. Uh, but I refuse to blame the refs, man, because the Raiders did what the Cowboys should have done. Oh, y'all going to call it like this today? We're just going to throw everything yeah, no doubt. deep yeah. and see what happens. 
And, you know, at a certain point, Anthony Brown is a human being, so he gets frustrated by the calls and, and it gets into his head and it becomes a massive problem. But my God, bro, I've, I've been watching football on a professional level as a reporter since 1995. I tell you all that all the time because it means I've seen a lot of shit, a lot of it. I really ain't never seen a cornerback get called like that in one game and essentially – essentially because there's a lot of plays in the game essentially cost his team because he just can't cover a dude <laughs> and he keeps getting past uh, pi after pi four flags all of them on third down yep. and the last one man third yep. and 18 you can't you just can't happen it just can't happen I'm, well see yeah and see i wasn't like disagreeing with you but the biggest problem with third and 18 is Dude, it's third and 18. You can play basically as soft as you want to play and just don't let him get behind you. And at some point, he still was running past him, which is why he was had his head in his chest. And so, you know, man. And then not a, I, I, I didn't watch the game close enough where I couldn't tell from the TV copy. Like at a certain point, you're like, okay, fine. We got to put we got to double cover him because Anthony can't handle him. I don't know what adjustment they tried to make. Because it was clear that Anthony Brown could not handle him today. Yeah, and as you mentioned, all four on third down for 101 yards. They got two touchdowns and two field goals off those penalties. And just just an, a horrible, horrible day. And there's no other way you can say it. I mean, that, that was probably the worst game that Anthony Brown will ever play. I can't imagine yeah. that he could be worse than that. I don't, I don't know how. But before we move on, and, and I wanted to get into some of those, Let's tell you about a couple more of our sponsors. And again, appreciate them so much as we record this on Thanksgiving night. Very thankful for our sponsors and, and so many of you that have tweeted in your pictures with Blue Star Motor Group or your Jam Session Bowl or your bag of Bill Tong or a variety of, of different ways that you support our sponsors and let us know. It's, it, it's awesome. It really, really is. And it helps to keep this thing going. So please continue to support our sponsors like Blue Star Motor Group at bluestarmotorgroup.com, superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models, no matter what you're looking for. Even if you go to the website and you don't see exactly what you had in mind on their website, I would encourage you, reach out to Deb, let her know. Hey, Deb, hear about you guys on Jam Session. I'm looking for a new vehicle. Can you help me out? Yeah. She will go to work trying to find something for you that fits what you want. It's very easy. They're great people. They're local. It's a husband and wife team. 817-881-4066. That's Deb's number. 817-881-4066. Now, I've sent Deb two or three or four clients who said, hey, I want this kind of car, this kind of mileage, this color. Can you go find it for me? And, yeah, she goes, yeah, no problem. Because they've got, they've got contacts all over the country. It's just a matter of how long you want to wait for it, man. Sometimes it's a couple of days, sometimes a week, it's whatever. But yeah, they can find whatever you want. You just you just hit her up and tell her. Uh, the other thing I love about Blue Star, man, it's a win-win, man. When the contracts are signed, the handshake is done, you drive off. They want you to feel great about the deal that you got, and they want to feel good about the deal that they gave you. And I don't think that's the case with most car dealers. Yeah, and they have such a range. Again, they they've got a 2016 Volkswagen Jetta. For under 19,000, it has under 40,000 miles on it. That may fit your budget. Or you may be like Jacques, and you're like, nah, I need something a little nicer. 
They have a 2022 Corvette three liter, three liter C8 R edition, 86 miles on it for $134,000. That thing looks badass. I mean, that looks badass. So again, maybe you are at the top end of budgets and you can get that car. Maybe you're like me and, and, and you're in that range for the 2016 Volkswagen Jetta, or maybe you're somewhere in between. Point being is that they've got all these different ranges and these are all superior quality cars. You're going to feel great working with Blue Star Motor Group. So check it out. Go, go look at that Corvette for real. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Also, Bruce Biltong, have you gotten yours yet? I know some of you have because you've sent us your pictures, which is awesome to see how many of you have gotten on the Biltong craze. I just had my next two orders that got here yesterday, and I've already eaten like half a bag of that. It is, it's just, it is. I mean, it's my go-to post-workout snack. You can snack on it anytime. There's no sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. It's very similar to beef jerky, but it's not beef jerky. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat and it, it's called Biltong. That's what it is. Bruise is the company. Bruise Biltong. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. BruiseBiltong.com. You can place your order. Use the promo code JAM15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Dude, it's fantastic, man. The sliced Biltong is my go-to. I love it. You know, Matt, I think Matt said two-ounce bag, 240 uh, calories, 30 grams of protein, no carbs. If you're working out... If you're trying to have a low-calorie snack, if you're on keto, some kind of keto diet, man, you want low carbs, it's fantastic. But the best thing about it is it's very tasty. Now, I get full pretty quick off of it, so my bags last a little longer than Matt's. But I love it, man. I've worked it into my daily routine. It's my basic afternoon snack. It's great. It is. I, I'm a very, very, very big fan of the Biltong. I will tell you straight up, if you like beef jerky, you're going to absolutely love Biltong. BruiseBiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, promo code JAM15. Also, of course, JR and his guys over at Freeway Tire Shop. If you are looking for a mechanic you can trust who stands behind his work, you found one. That's why Jacques takes all of his cars over there. JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop will get you taken care of. Dude, JR, to me, man, is all about trust. I don't know how to fix cars. I don't claim to. I ain't even feeling guilty about not being able to fix cars, man. Here's what I will tell you, though. If you go to JR, you don't have to worry about it. Because I trust him to diagnose the problem with any one of my six cars. All but five, all five, all but one paid off. <laughs> and I trust the man to use quality parts. I trust my man to charge me a fair price. And that ain't always the case when you're getting your car repaired, man. And I trust Jared to stand behind his work, dog. He does that. He's the best. I take every car I have to him. I recommend you do the same. It's Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas, right there off 35. You can schedule an appointment, request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. So we continue forth talking about the Cowboys' loss. Now they're stuck at 7-4. and four. It's been not a good last month. And they have started to, as some of you like to point out, and thought they fall apart in November. Well, when they're not very good, they do. So we'll see if they can rebound because they're done with November. They move on. Their next game is December 2nd. And we'll see if they can rebound and close out strong. If not, it's going to be a very quick end of the year here. But... You know, the one thing about today, and this is one thing I feel like we've been talking about, but, you know, when they lose, I guess that is kind of what we talk about. 
is the inopportune penalties and mistakes that they make on both sides of the ball. I mean, for instance, the third drive of the game, Dak had just missed Cedric Wilson on a high throw to him. It's third and eight. False start, third and 13. Your drive is over. Yeah, you're done. You're done. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Las Vegas gets the ball, third and 10, incomplete. Ah, nope, pass interference that extends the drive on Anthony Brown. Third and six, deep in the end zone, pass interference on Anthony Brown. And that, of course, gives L.A. the ball, or Las Vegas the ball at the one. You know, and then even stuff like on the fourth drive, they're down 14 to six. Dak misses Noah Brown, and then it's third and 10. He nails Dalton Schultz. I mean, that's a first down. He hit Dalton Schultz square in the hands. Dalton Schultz just flat out drops it. Yep. And that is something that it feels like in the last couple of weeks has been a problem as well. But there's a reason why some of these receivers, like we talked about earlier, are not Lamb and Cooper. But what it does is, man, we all sit there and at the end of the game go, oh, Anthony Brown is pass interference on third and 18, 33-yard gain. That's why they lost. Well, it's all those other plays early in the game, which is why you were down 24-13 in the third quarter, 30-22 to in the fourth quarter, having to fight your ass off just to get it tied and send it into overtime. And so it's all those plays that they didn't make earlier, which put them in that bad position, man. And so, yeah, we talk about Anthony Bryan at the end of the game, but there were a bunch of mistakes early in the game, bro, that, uh, that turned it into uh, Las Vegas' favor. Yeah, there were. I mean, there's another one, and it wasn't just Anthony Brown. Let's make no mistake about it. For instance, you had the one on the drive after that, after the Cowboys had to punt. It's still 14-6. to six. It's third and eight, and Trayvon Diggs gets called for defensive holding. That gives Vegas another first down. And that's what really early on when I thought the Cowboys could get back into this thing, man, it just felt like every time the defense had a chance to get off the field, somebody committed a penalty and the Raiders weren't even completing these things. It's not like they were converting these third downs. The Cowboys were converting them for them. <laughs> that's, that's a sad spot to be in, man, but that's where it was today. And uh, it's hard to win like that, dog. I mean, I ain't breaking no news, but it's hard to win like that because teams are so good that you can't just give them uh, chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity to beat you because at some point they will. Yeah, and again, that's what becomes, okay, so you you couldn't get them off the field on third and eight. They go down the field and, and get a field goal. It's 17 to six. Dallas gets the ball again. This next drive is the really, really weird one where Dak gets hit as he's throwing the ball because Tyron Smith made probably the worst plays ever made. I don't even know what was even on the broadcast <laughs> like miscommunication. He thought something else was called. Who knows what happens? But Dak has to throw the ball before he's ready. It becomes a third and seven, and he throws it to Cedric Wilson, and Wilson's not even looking. Like it's it's the little things like that that if it was just one or two instances a game, you'd be like, okay, well that happens. But, man, this is happening like nine or ten times a game. That's the problem, bro. It's the inconsistency everywhere. And, and it looks to me, man, like a like I can't point to one person, but it looks to me like an overall lack of focus. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, I don't know how you fix that other than you concentrate more and you make a concerted effort to focus or whatever. Like, I don't think it's a lack of work ethic. It's just, it's focus, man. Like, you guys got to concentrate harder. You got to be more, you got to be more locked in to get it done. 
Yeah, and I think that that's my whole thing is that Dak is the leader. He he is the front runner of shouldering the blame on this. But then you look at it and it's like, okay, well, Wilson's not paying attention and Tyron Smith misses a call and Diggs and Brown are getting flagged. Greg Zerline misses a damn extra point and then they run you out there. The whole reason that you're on the team is because you're Greg the leg and you doink a 59-yard field goal. Now, they got lucky because the Raiders didn't turn that into points, but you miss a 59-yard field goal, and all of a sudden, the Raiders have the ball at the 40. I mean, I ain't really blaming a kicker for missing a 59-yard field goal. I mean, I blame, you know, I you know, I should look it up real quick, but Greg Zerline has made like only one or two from longer than 56 his whole career, and now he's at the part of his career where he's not nearly cons- as consistent. I blame that on coaching. Because the coach is the one who put him out there um, in a situation where the risk-reward at that part of the game, it, to me, it just ain't worth it because Greg Zerline has not proved that he is that guy anymore when it comes to, um, you know, being Greg the leg. Yeah. I boom him from 55 and 60 with regularity. <laughs> it's not a big deal, man. Um, you know, he was 3 of 9. Check this out, Doc. He was 3 of 9 beyond 50 last year, and he's 1 of 3 this year. That's four of his last 12. I don't know that I want him taking kicks beyond 50. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wouldn't. And, and, th- and that's what's weird when they trot him out for stuff like that. You know, because of what you're pointing out, if you've got a 33% chance to make it in a game like this where your defense has been making boneheaded plays already and you're going to give the opposing offense the ball at the 40? Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, for perspective, you know, the first, you know, 10 years of his career, he made 33 of 55 beyond 50. That's why he was Greg Leg. Yeah, that's but his reputation, getting, yeah. Yeah, that's he's getting older now. He ain't, to me, ain't no longer Greg Leg, man, because he misses a lot of long field goals and you can't trust him there. Um, so, I mean, I ain't mad at him. Um, inside 50, he's still really good. Inside 50, he's 16 for his last 18. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to get him inside, you know, between 40, 49, he's good. Um, now, you know, the extra points, everybody's struggling with those as a kicker. Uh, so I give them a little, I mean, it's just the, it's the new way when they move the kickback, obviously they were going to miss more. Right. And, and, and again, it's like, okay, if that's the mistake and there's only like another one, you're good. The problem is, is that, okay, well, that's one or two in that part of the game. And then there's two or three over here. And then Dak does this and then Tyrant, And then it all adds up to what we've been watching the last couple of weeks. You know, it's as simple as some of the little things, for instance, like when the Cowboys had the opportunity, they punted it back to the Raiders, and there's a block in the back where they had the Raiders pinned at the 15, and you don't think about stuff like that. That's just like you're just giving the Raiders free yards. And so instead of the Raiders having the ball at the 15, well, now they get to start at the 25 when you thought maybe you had them pinned a little bit. Little things like that to me, that just add up over the course of a game and have really started to add up over the course of this last month with what we've seen. I will say, I thought that this referee crew, and I, I, I thought the same thing for the Raiders. If I was a Raiders fan, I'd be watching this going, what are we doing? I mean, this is, as, as Goose, Rich Gosselin tweeted out, this is by far the most penalized game in the NFL this season. And it made it have a clunky... Nobody felt like momentum could get going because, oh, there's a flag. And any time there was a big play, every time they threw deep to Gallup, I was like, is there a flag? What happened? Is it, it, I mean, literally every time you're looking for the flag. But the one that really sticked out to me 
was that call where Micah Parsons got flagged for roughing the passer when David Carr was a runner or Derek Carr was a runner and was falling forward and he fell into Micah Parsons' arm and they threw a flag on Parsons, which extended the drive and gave him an automatic first down. Pathetic, bro. I, I mean, thought that was ridiculous. That's really the only thing you can say. It was an absolutely pathetic call. I thought it was an absolutely pathetically called game. Like, can we have some common sense, man? You know, stop trying to be part of the show. Yes. And just un- just understand that, you know, the game can't run freely the way you're calling it. And uh, now that being said, you know, I don't, you know, I just don't get, uh, I never get caught up in, well, the refs cost us. Cost no, no, I don't, I, I, I'm game. not saying that. I just think. If I'm the NFL and that and I'm th- that is the only game on television, and that is what you want your product to look like, you got a problem. And that that's a crew that I would call in and be like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. Games should not look like that. Be smarter. No, I, think, I think that would be fair. I think that would be fair because it had no rhythm to it, and it was just uh, it's just you know it was it was a really interesting game by itself. It didn't need all that other stuff to it. No, not at all. And that, I mean, God, like when Hockey League came on, and, and that's Sean Hockey, that's Ed's kid. When he came on at one point, I, I was just done with them. And the crew comes on to wish us a happy Thanksgiving. And I'm like yelling at the TV, I don't want your happy Thanksgiving, you asshole. Stop calling penalties. Bro. Oh, we got some Homer audio today. I got to go through it. <laughs> and I'll chop it up, and we'll have that on the next podcast. But, I mean, there, there was some moment. It just got to a point, even for the Raiders, when they would call penalties, I was just like, stop calling penalties. Just stop. Like, this yeah, is out of control, dream. man. And I that, feel you, brother. It was driving me insane. Like, nonstop, all game long. I've never seen anything like that. I cannot recall ever watching a game where it just felt like they were doing a bit. We're like, hey, we get to be on TV even longer. I guarantee you Sean Hockey Lee had a boner going out for overtime. Like, hell yeah, more more FaceTime for me because I'm going to call a bunch more penalties, me and my crew. <laughs> ah, no, I don't know. I don't know that, but uh, maybe, but I can't say he wouldn't. Dude, when, <laughs> like, I, I really like, and I know they're not for everybody, but I, I like when they bring in, like, Gene Steratore. I read an article once about him a few years ago, and the way he takes it and breaks down when he was a referee, and I, I really thought was meticulous. And when those guys are coming on the broadcast, and they're, they don't want to rip fellow referees, but they're just kind of like, ah, you know, that's... That's one I, you could tell they wanted to be like, what the hell are you doing? Even it got to a point where Nance and Romo are joking about it on the, like the NFL's premier duo calling a game is making jokes about the penalties in the game because it became so obnoxious from the referees. Yeah, I get it, man. The, you just, I don't like when you spend time after game talking about the refs, but there were so many calls, man including one that was huge early where Keanu Neal makes one of the best plays you'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, Darren Waller, I believe, fumbles. The ball is squirting towards the out-of-bounds line. He goes, scoops it up, throws it over his shoulder. That was incredible. To uh, J. Ron Curse, who returns it maybe 15, 20 yards. Would have given the Cowboys the first down inside the 30. And I got to tell you, bro, Darren Waller catches the ball. He took three steps. I was going to say he took at least two or three. He's tucking the ball in his arm. It gets knocked out. And they call that an incomplete pass. And I'm like, 
Golly. And it wasn't just that they called it an incomplete pass. It was that Brad Pitt came back from his 12 years in Tibet or whatever, waiting for this call to be made. I mean, they, I, I thought, are they, did they go to commercial and something? And then they came back and we still, they even said it on the broadcast. Like, wow, huh? That took them a long time to decide that was incomplete. Dude, I mean, it's ridiculous, man. I was like, this is insane. And I was surprised the Cowboys didn't challenge it. Well, you couldn't challenge. I forget why, um, but I read, you know, Werder, I think, or somebody broke down why the play could be challenged. Uh, well, then they screwed so the Cowboys on that because that's ridiculous. They should have ruled it a catch and a fumble so that it had an opportunity to be a challengeable play. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And so that's it, another screw up on that crew. Whether or not they would have overruled it, it doesn't matter. They should have assumed it was a turnover so that it had to be reviewed. It's, it's ridiculous. That is a god-awful officiating crew. For, for the Raiders, too. This is not blaming the refs for the Cowboys losing. This is blaming the refs for making that game for both teams the way that it was. I would uh, sincerely agree with that. Poop show. <laughs> totally was, man. And it sucks because I'm like you. Like, I, I'm not – usually for me, there's just too many plays in a game where I, I'm never going to be like, oh, well, that play cost you the game. Like, well, okay, but what could you have done earlier to where it led up to where that call even mattered? You know, there's yeah. just so many different things. But when it's both teams that are getting screwed and both teams are getting ticky-tacked to death like that and it's clunking up the game, nobody wants to watch that. Nobody. <laughs> I kept thinking, I was like, imagine if you're somebody in the NFL front office – and some dude who's never watched the NFL before or whatever is like, oh, Thanksgiving game. I want to check this out. And that's what he got to watch. Yeah, he'd be disappointed, brother. Yeah, he'd be ridiculous. All right, I'll try to calm down. You know, I just, I, I, I we had to have that conversation there before we move on <laughs> and continue forth. You know, we had a bunch of people this weekend, I think it was two or three, that had tweeted us pictures of the Jam Session Bowl. And, right, right, of course, right. it's only available at Smokey John's. It's only for Jam Session listeners. It is our special secret menu item. It's not on the menu. You go in there and you look at the menu, you will not see it. You got to know. You kind of like, you know, you, you give them the little rub of the nose, a little wink, whatever. They know. And they it's, it's your choice. You can choose the made-from-scratch mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. Your choice of meats that you'd like to top it with and then the toppings with the real bacon bits and the Smokey John's barbecue sauce absolutely a treat if you have an opportunity to get there right off of Mockingbird to Smokey John's Barbecue. That's fantastic. Uh, my dad and his wife are in town. Uh, I took them by there to get one, man. I brought it out to him. My dad said, well, this, this is it? I go, <laughs> dude, there's no way you guys are, there's no way at one sitting you guys will both finish this off. So, yeah, yeah. you just need one. And so I checked him into the hotel, called him back a little later. How was the bowl? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, we didn't get through through it, so uh, we're going to finish <laughs> it off later on. I tried to tell your ass you weren't going to finish it. Uh, That's awesome. Now, here's the funny part. Um, I just ordered it the way I liked it. Um, bec and here's why. When you got a husband and wife team who've been married 30-something years, I'm not trying to say you want Mac or you want mashed potatoes, because they're going to debate that. Yeah. Then it's going to be, which of these five meats you want? They're going to spend 20 minutes debating that. So I just made the choice for them. So then my stepmother calls me. She goes, Jacques, um, is this beef sausage or pork sausage? Because, oh, no. you know, I don't eat pork. <laughs> and I go, I'm pretty sure it's pork. And in the background, I hear, ha, more for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so my dad's being an ass about it. It's hey, awesome. It happens sometimes. Nothing but, wrong uh, with that, man. man. No, it's fantastic. They enjoyed it, polished it off, and uh, would like to have another one someday. Yeah, so if you get an opportunity, I'm telling you, you got to swing by and check it out. It was Paul. Paul was one of those that tweeted in. There's a picture that he took with his jam session bowl. So if you get an opportunity, man, swing by jams, or swing by Smokey John's, get the jam session bowl. You're going to love it. They listen to the podcast. They're, they're, it's local. It's family-owned. It's an awesome place at Smokey John's Barbecue. Also, of course, Black Friday. Many of you are listening to this on Black Friday. Well, Saturday is Small Business Saturday. Support small business with the new online women's boutique, Kinley Rose. Makes great gifts for your lady. Holiday season coming up upon us. Maybe you're looking, you see an outfit or a top or whatever that you think she'd look good in at KinleyRose.com. You can check out their Instagram as well at ShopKinleyRose. So support local small business. It's a great opportunity to do it. And right now, if you decide you'd like to order something, use the promo code JAMSESSION10. You get 10% off your first order at KinleyRose.com. Everybody. Have it. You can upgrade your wardrobe, ladies. You can gr- get something new and trendy and fashionable. Something we guys like to look at. Like, we, I don't really know much about fashion, but I know what I like to look at, if that makes sense. There you go. And, uh, you know, fellas, this way, find your ladies something to, uh, to, to wear. Yeah, they've Maybe got it all. coming up, Christmas parties. Mm-hmm. Hey, find her something nice. Cardigans and sweaters and shackets, which apparently is a, is a shirt that you could also use as a jacket, that type of thing. They've got a great selection, all kinds of trendy, fashionable stuff. Promo code JAMSESSION10 for 10% off your first order at KinleyRose.com. That's K-I-N-L-E-Y Rose.com. And then finally, of course, you know, I was telling you about Black Friday and what they've got going on at False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills. True that, true that. Four different stouts. They're ready for you. They're open all day on Friday. They'll be open all weekend long. It is here. It is time. It is the Stranger Things flight and quadruple can release. Wow. The, they have the Mind Flayer Imperial Stout with hazelnut and almond. The, the D'Artagnan Imperial Stout with salted caramel. The Demodog Imperial Stout with cinnamon pecan coffee. Jeez. And the there's another one. What is that? Demi Gorgon Imperial Stout with cookies and cream and peanut butter. My goodness. Four stouts, all four, only available at False Idol. You can get all four of those in a flight, or you can get all four of those in a can as well. It is False Idol Brewing. They are open this weekend all day on Black Friday for their Stranger Things Black Friday flight release. God, I wish I was in town, man. I would I would just kill that. I guarantee you, <laughs> you know, Jacques, you know, their stouts are on a different level. Oh, bro. It's uh they're amazing, one of a kind, dude. I mean, they are you talk about some elite level stouts, you're talking about false idol brewing. North Richland Hills, local, family owned. Check them out. You can find them just north of 183 off Boulevard 26. So I'm curious, man, because they've got a week off. They have the Saints coming up next Thursday night. It's a road game in the Dome. After that, they have two more road games at Washington, at the Giants, and then home against Washington the day after Christmas. I'm still looking at this. I, I don't buy the Saints, and, and I know the game's on right now, and Buffalo is whipping their ass. I don't buy into the Saints at all, but 
I don't know what I make of this Cowboys team anymore. And that makes it very difficult for me to, to have any thought of, if you'd asked me this, even after the Chiefs loss, I would have thought, nah, you know, Trevor Simeon, it's the Saints. Eh. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think they get the Saints done. I mean, I, th- I don't think the Saints, I think the Saints are garbage right now. Uh, they got a big hole at quarterback. I think their team is getting beat down by the fact that their offense struggles to move the ball. Yeah. I think if Mark Cooper comes back, I think Demarcus Lawrence makes his debut. That will help your defense. Uh, I don't expect him to be Pro Bowl Demarcus Lawrence, but his presence will help. Um, but, I, you know, it's a tough stretch. A lot of teams go through tough stretches. But this is now the start of the stretch run as we come out of out of Thanksgiving and um, you know, it's time for them to play a good game, and I think they will. Now, I'm like you. They could fool me and play another stinker, but I think they will play a good game, and it'll be good enough to beat the Saints. They got to get – they have to get a win. They, they just have to get a win. I mean, you've got to get a win heading into a Washington game, and that's the thing when you look at it. You should win your next four games. You should. I thought they should have won today, and they didn't. So now right. I view this team a little bit differently than I had before. But one of the things about this, and I know everybody is starting to jump onto this. I had multiple people tweet at me today about it. The Philadelphia Eagles, while the Cowboys have lost three out of their last four, the Philadelphia Eagles have won three out of their last four. They're five and six. They play the Giants on Sunday. If they beat the Giants, they're sitting at six and six. The Cowboys are at seven and four. And the Eagles close at the Jets, two games against Washington, another one against the Giants. I mean, I'm not kidding, man. I mean, I, I don't know how good the Eagles really are. I don't care. The teams they're playing aren't very good either. No, I don't care, man, because it ain't about the Eagles. It's about the Cowboys. The Cowboys play their best football, which they have not done. But if they play their best football, they'll win the games that they're supposed to win. They'll win the division and, you know, go to the playoffs and do whatever it is that they do. Um, I'm not getting caught up in what the Eagles do, man. It's because... It's about the Cowboys and how they play. If they play well, they'll win the division. If they don't play well, then they won't. But even that won't be about the Eagles. It'll be about how the Cowboys fell apart. This is still the Cowboys story to write. I don't care what the Eagles do or who they play. Fuck the Eagles. It's about the Cowboys. Nice. That's what I like to hear. I mean, really, that's what it's about. I'm just going to clip out that little part and then... (laughs) post it and i'll bleep it but i'll post it and i'll be like at eagles and all that your mentions will get blown up by all the philadelphia hate <laughs> i wouldn't do that to you but no i agree I, I i think you're right you're exactly right obviously i mean it still comes down to that whole you know you talk about this a lot in college football with well you know you control your own destiny but there it's true and the cowboys do do that and we've seen what they're capable of when they play to a certain level we haven't seen them play at that level really for the last few weeks. They did against Atlanta, but in three out of their last four games, this has been a wonky-ass, weird team. How fair do you think it is to look at this team and circle the injuries as a a part of the problem? I mean, there is part of the problem. Now, you got, I mean, just like it would have been part of the problem if they hadn't beaten Minnesota with uh, Cooper Rush at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody's got injuries, so ain't nobody trying to hear about yours. Uh, everybody's got COVID problems, so ain't nobody trying to hear about yours. Um, you know, uh, they could have won today despite their injuries had they played well. They didn't play well. Um, when they play their A game, they're pretty damn hard to beat. They haven't played their A game lately, so they've been getting beat. If they get back to focused and playing their A game, 
they will again return to being very difficult to beat. Uh, but the injuries, man, ain't nobody trying to hear that because everybody got problems, man. Everybody got problems, man. Everybody got problems. So, you know, I'm not trying to hear about you because you got laid off. Well, I just got hit by an audit for the IRS. You know, my car, my three cars just broke down. Everybody got problems, though. I think the way that I look at it with the injury thing is when you have a certain amount of people available, I think we all look at it and go, okay, well, with the personnel that you have, you're a much better team, obviously, than you are if you don't have that personnel available. I mean, there's a reason why some of these teams that aren't very good, you look at them and go, well, yeah, but I mean, who on that team is really all that great? And how much better would they be if you took the injured Cowboys and put them on one of the other bad teams? They would probably all immediately be starting and, and, and help that team to be better than what they are. That's why I think getting some of these guys back, they should be better than what they've been. Well, the receiver thing is a big thing, man. You can you can get by losing your top guy. It's pretty hard to get by losing your top two guys, man. Dude, uh, because those are two dynamic playmakers, two guys amongst the best in the league. Um, and so you lose both of those guys, man. It's it's just hard because now you're asking Noah Brown to consistently win against you know one of the top two or three corners. Normally he's facing a third or fourth corner. Um, you know, same thing with Cedric Wilson and you know Michael Gallup. Yeah. Ain't nobody ever said Michael Gallup was the number one receiver. And so, you know, here he is getting shut down for three quarters. Uh, so, you know, I get it. It's hard, man. But, again, ain't, ain't nobody feeling sorry for you. This kind of reminds me of what it looked like before they traded for Amari Cooper, remember? And Because Gallup was around, and it was Gallup, Hearns, and Beasley, basically, that were the main three dudes. And, you know, yeah, they're NFL receivers. They, they, they're good, but they weren't, they weren't Cooper and Lamb receivers, and they're still not. No, I mean I, f- I think that's fair, but that that because if you looked at the game for the first three quarters, it's all about dink and dak dunk. Yeah, or dink and dunk dak, and so it's only in the fourth quarter they start airing it out, taking shots. Dak had more than two hundred yards in the fourth quarter, threw a touchdown pass, led him from uh, come from behind, tie the game up before losing in overtime. That to me is all about adjusting and taking advantage of what they were giving you and saying, well, hell, if they're gonna play us tight. They go dare us to take shots. Let's take some shots. Well, and, and honestly, like generally speaking, the thing that they like that Michael Gallup does best is those deep routes. You know, the 40, 50 yard catches that he had in the fourth quarter. Michael Gallup's not the guy that that does the things that Amari Cooper does because Amari Cooper is one of the most precise route runners in the NFL. And CeeDee Lamb, those guys can do things that Michael Cooper doesn't do or that, that Michael Gallup doesn't do. And so I think it's interesting. You know, I also kind of wonder... And, and this will be really interesting, and we talked about this as they kind of got the season going, that whole Amari Gallup question, and, and now it seems like it's kind of answering itself to some degree. And that, to me, man, is why you ain't got to spend all this time trying to figure out these things. I mean, I know we do it because part of what we do in sports talk, radio, whatever, is trying to figure these things out. Most of the time, the questions answer themselves, bro. And the question is, you would never get rid of Michael. I mean, you would never get rid of Amari Cooper for yeah. Michael Gallup right now. You wouldn't even get rid of for CeeDee Lamb right now because CeeDee Lamb ain't showed you he can be a number one receiver just yet. Which is fine. He will be. Yeah. He just ain't doing it yet. No, and I think that they complement each other very well. So we'll see. I, I'm not on the level that a lot of the Cowboy fans on our Twitter seem to be where a lot of – and that's, I mean – you got to ride or die, man. I mean, this is still a 7-4 and four team, and I still want to believe in positivity. It sucked. The last month has not been fun, obviously. Today was shitty. 
last Sunday against the Chiefs was not cool. But I'm not ready to sit here and go, oh, so much they suck. Here it is. And I kind of tweeted this out. I was like, it feels like, you know, they've been on the mediocrity treadmill the last 25 years. And for the first couple of months of the season, they kind of put it back in storage. They've pulled it out the last month. And they've been jogging on the mediocrity treadmill for the last month. Now it's up to them. Put it away and, and see if you can make something happen here. Sounds about right to me, my friend. So we will be back. We will do another one of these on Sunday, getting you ready for next week. Of course, it's another weird, wonky short week with the Thursday night game on Thursday next week. Uh, a late one with a late podcast on Thursday night. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. And did, do you guys do any like uh, unique dishes for Thanksgiving at all? No, not really. We do the traditional. Uh, this is a weird one uh, because uh, we were kind of scattered all over the place today. I was actually at my daughter's house in Waxahachie with uh, my dad and his wife and my brother. Um, and my daughter and her family was there. So we was kind of down there. Um, what's interesting is <clears throat> the lovely Lorraine went to Waco to be with her family. And my son, the 17-year-old man, he went to football practice at DeSoto this morning because they play Spring Westfield in the uh, regional semifinal this week. 6A Division One regional semifinal in San Antonio. He drove, I mean, I mean, he's 17, soon to be 18, drove from uh, DeSoto to Waco to go hang out with his mom and, and that side of family. Mm. Then I called him. I was checking on him. He's like, yo, I'm headed over to Jasmine. That's my daughter's house. So he was headed for then from Waco to Waxahachie. Now, you do have to pass Waxahachie on your way to DeSoto. Yeah. To hang out with my dad some more because they they were uh, they chatted for a couple hours this morning uh, before heading home. So I was like, wow, I guess he's grown now. He's driving all over Texas. <laughs> no special dishes. Uh, we did laugh at white people today because. Oh, yeah, um, because of all the pumpkin pie. <clears throat> No, somebody somebody <laughs> gave my daughter a pumpkin pie. Oh no, you can't do that. And so oh, no. we were we were we had just said grace or something. And my That's daughter awesome. said, you know, there's a pumpkin pie over there. And I go, Well, who the hell gonna eat it? <laughs> and she said, I don't know. I said, I don't know either. Black people don't eat pumpkin pie. I don't know where this shit started. Uh, you know, so uh, we had a good laugh over that. That's so wild, man, because until we started doing the show together, I did not, I had no idea. And when you tell us, like, no way. And I texted she, and he was like, yeah, I was like, what? Oh. We don't eat pumpkin pie. I was like, no shit. I was like, I had oh. no idea. You asked about a specialty dish. To me, it's not special. To you, it might sound special. Okay. Uh, have you ever had chitlins? I have not had chitlins. No. Well, I'm not really down with chitlins, but chitlins are served at pretty much every black person's house. Um, during Thanksgiving and, and the holiday meals. Now, everybody doesn't eat them, but most people do. Chitlins is a black people delicacy. It's uh, pig intestines. Mm. It's some nasty shit, literally, <laughs> to me. Uh, but there are people, there are friends of mine, there are relatives, there are loved ones who uh, swear by them and really? you know put some hot sauce on them. And, you know, they're literally intestines, so you have to clean them to clean the shit off of them. And then you boil them and do this uh, this other stuff to them, and then is it like is it like what is it like texture wise? What would it be like? Rubbery. I would compare it really 
really to like squid or something okay. calamari does it, it taste like that or is it just like bland I wouldn't know because I've never had a desire <laughs> for pig intestines. And, you know, the people in my house over the years have said, great, more for me. Interesting. Um, you know, we cook oxtails around here. Uh, that's, you know, white folks have just gotten into oxtails lately in the last five or ten years. Can I tell you something funny, Matt? Yeah, please do. I mean, it's funny. It's funny in a way. You know, and don't take this the wrong way, not Matt, but the rest of y'all. So you got you got people who own plantations, mm-hmm. and they got slaves. Well, they give slaves all the bullshit food, okay? And the slaves make these foods into common everyday meals and shit, and now they're considered delicacies by white folks. I just think that's funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they've turned these scraps, what were considered scraps, into flavorful food and now much like gentrification people say oh this is de- this is delicious and it's just all funny to me bro that is interesting yeah, I'm, yeah. i've never <laughs> i don't think i've ever even seen chitlins well if i mean dude well this is what you should do matt i promise you just do this go on your show in birmingham on monday or you're on the air tomorrow right yeah yeah i'm on friday yeah Bro, it's Iron Bowl weekend, baby. Got to do it. Do show. this. Go on the air tomorrow and say, "Hey, I do this podcast in Dallas with my boy," and he was telling me about chitlins. I've never had chitlins. I would love for somebody because <laughs> somebody I know y'all them. had them yesterday. Oh, no doubt, somebody will bring for them. somebody to bring me up a plate of chitlins with some hot sauce and let me try them because I once ate crickets, a cricket taco in uh, South Beach. So I'm game for it. But I want whoever's got the best chitlins in town, bring me a plate. I'd love to try some. And I guarantee you'll have some tomorrow. You're exactly right. I mean, that, that's I could get that Dude. taken care of, that's for sure. Plus, your audience will love you, and your and your 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 African American audience will grow because they're like, you die with the cause, you die with the people. <laughs> and tell them and, and the other thing you say is, and if you got a piece of sweet potato pie you can add to it, because I know y'all ain't eating no pumpkin pie. Yeah, that's right. Hey, hook a brother up. And, uh, dude, your numbers will go through the roof. I mean, I like sweet potatoes, than... so I, I would imagine sweet potato pie would be really, really good. Uh, yeah, no, it's the truth, man. Because, I, you know, uh, as I've gotten older, pumpkin pie, I used to like it when I was little. Now I'm just kind of, I mean, I, I, if I never had it again, I wouldn't care. Bruh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I've tried it and sampled it. So now well, I got to I mean, for it, bro. You know, the one thing about pumpkin pie, even when I was little, and now I wonder, did I like it or did I just cover it with so much Cool Whip that I liked yeah. the Cool Whip and I, I couldn't really tell? Could be, could be. I don't know. My grandma, man, when she was alive, she could make a killer pie crust, though. And that, that crust went a long way. Hell, I don't know, man. So I just wanted to ask you, <laughs> now that we've gotten through, and for those, like, I think everybody knew, like, I was, I did Thanksgiving basically by myself today. My lady friend uh, she went to go see her family, and I just I have too much going on. wasn't able to make it happen to be able to go with her because I got to do the show tomorrow and all this stuff. So it's just way easier for me to stay here. So I didn't really do anything for Thanksgiving, which you know doesn't bother me. I didn't care. I wasn't sad or anything. It's fine. But I was curious because you've got the big one this weekend. You know, I just mentioned it's Iron Bowl weekend, which here in the state of Alabama is it's just insane all week, all year really. But this, I mean, the game the intensity, the rivalry, 
weird things happen in the Alabama-Auburn game. And it's at Jordan-Hare this year where Auburn has won three out of the last four. Those were all better Auburn teams than this Alabama team or than this Auburn team is this year. Right. I would be surprised if Bo Nix hadn't gotten hurt and could play, maybe Auburn could pull a surprise. But I would be, I'd be shocked if Auburn flat out beats Bama. Can they hang within 21? Because that's the line. Yeah. But I think you're about to see Alabama get to 11-1 and one and make their move to play Georgia for a potential playoff spot. You've got the big one, the big game, Saturday morning. At 11 a.m., Ohio State, Michigan, I believe the winner of that is going to the playoff. I, I believe the winner of that will win the Big Ten and clinch a playoff spot. This is probably the best version of Michigan that Ohio State's had to play in a while. Yeah, I would say that, but I, I think that, um, you know, I, I say it's about a lot of games. If both teams bring their A game, then Ohio State wins. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. <clears throat> um, We've had a couple games this year where the offense hasn't worked, and that's been dicey. Uh, the defense has been better, but this is uh, Michigan's offense ain't tricky. Uh, Michigan's offense is still kind of like old school power football, and it's a physical thing. So if you can line up and play with them, because they 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 run the ball more than most people, um, then you can you know you can uh, control the line of scrimmage and win the game. Uh, for us, it'll be can they disguise defenses and confuse the freshman quarterback? Because dudes had four or five, seriously, 400-yard games, C.J. Stroud. Um, if you don't confuse him and he figures out where to go with the ball, you're not going to be able to cover those three receivers all day long. So, no, yeah. My suspicion is it will be a very close game until about midway through the third quarter, and then Ohio State will pull away and win by a couple touchdowns. That would be my suspicion. But, uh, you know, it could be a little bit tighter. But again, man, at some point, you figure they'll beat us. I mean, like it has to like, like it has to happen at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, you think that, but this ain't like flipping a coin where it's 50-50. And you know this from being, especially from being down in, at Bama for the last few, few months, uh, where you can really see it up close and personal, and it's not just something you read about. When you got a roster full of four and five star players, especially you got that collection of five stars built yeah. over three or four years of yep. recruiting, this is a game where those guys make a difference because somebody goes out and makes a play or two guys make a play. You just go, well, damn, what are we supposed to do about that? And, um, you know, we'll see. But uh, I like our chances. I, I was feeling a little shady about them earlier in the year because the quarterback wasn't playing as well. But uh, he's playing well now. The offense is multifaceted. And they play like a basketball team. When they, they get on these runs and they're virtually unstoppable for three or four or five possessions. And they can they can go from 14-14 to 42-14, you know, real quick. Yeah, and that's the thing that you pointed out with Ohio State is that Michigan just doesn't have the level of talent that Ohio State does. They just don't. And, you know, Georgia does. Alabama does, but there are very few teams in the country. Obviously, any given Saturday, any given Saturday, anything can happen. But on the whole, nobody has the talent that those programs have. Well, they got they have the they have the talent to beat Ohio State. But that's why I said if both teams play their A game, right, right, yeah, then they're going to get 
beat by a couple touchdowns. You know, that that becomes a thing. That's going to be an interesting thing. Like if Cincinnati actually sneaks into the playoff here, a, a team like, like Alabama is a great example, for instance. Now their number one running back hasn't been hurt. They lost two of their four scholarship running backs. So they're running with basically two running backs and they don't miss a beat because, well, it's the next five-star guy come up, you know, and that's one of the things that these teams have the ability to do because if a dude gets banged up and even if it's just I have to miss a couple of series or I, I, this dude got ejected for targeting, they don't. that's not a colossal collapse because their one dude that's a stud is out. Like, next five-star, come on. Right. And you see some of these other teams that don't have that ability where they'll have some good dudes and they're, all, they're starting 22. But if one of those guys gets banged up or has to miss a couple of plays here or there, you know, it, it's a lot different for schools like that than it is for a Georgia, Bama, or an Ohio State. Nah, it's um, that's that's why those schools recruit at the level that they recruit, man. Uh, everybody wants to win a uh, compete for a national championship and get to the NFL. Those three schools guarantee you an opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think Georgia's in. If, if Georgia beats Georgia Tech this weekend, which they will, they'll, they'll clinch a spot in the playoff regardless of what happens in the SEC. I think it'll be Georgia and Ohio State. We'll see what they do with Bama if they lose to Georgia. But it, I think we're going to get a really good I, – I think we're probably going to see Georgia-Ohio State in the national title game, and that is going to be fun as hell, man. That would be fun. Because that – Dude. I'm down for that. <laughs> you going to go to – would you go to Indianapolis? That's where the title game is this year at Lucas Oil. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Yep. Because that's where I'm sure that's where the Big Ten Championship game is. Yeah. Um, I would uh, I would probably inquire about tickets and see if I could make it happen. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I I just hope whether it's in the national title game or a semifinal, I just hope we get to see that because Alabama's offense is really good as well, and that'll be a fun SEC title game to see that. But they don't have, I mean, again, Alabama's best receiver is Jamison Williams, who had to leave Ohio State because he couldn't get playing time. Yeah. So I think and that's seeing, not a knock on him. No, that's, not at all. No, I'm just saying that's how good those guys at Ohio State are. Yeah. No, they're good, bro. We're good. You are? You are good. We'll see if you can make it happen. <laughs> So there's a little cause. I, I, I just, I love this weekend. This is one, I, I wish that AM and Texas still played each other because this is. Like, to me, whoever you can point to that you play in your final game of the regular season is your biggest rival. Like, the Egg Bowl's happening tonight. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Lane Kiffin, by the way, Ole Miss is about to win their 10th regular season game. The first time in school history they've won 10 games in the regular season. If they win their bowl game, it'll be the first time ever in the history of Ole Miss that they've won 11 games in a season. Wow. And Lane Kiffin's doing that. But all these rivalries, you know, Bedlam, Coming up this weekend, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You just have so many great rivalries that all happen on this weekend. And a lot of them are old school, traditional rivalries. But I, 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 this is a really fun weekend in college football. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's weird because the, the Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year. And we're actually, it's odd because we're going to go to Tuscaloosa and watch the game at a bar on the Strip. Even though it's a road game, and you know a lot of students are home for Thanksgiving and stuff, but it should be fun just being around Tuscaloosa watching the game, even though we're not actually going to it. I feel you. I feel you. So should be fun. But enjoy <laughs> yourselves. We will be back later this week. The Cowboys, man, turning around. They've got one week off. Enjoy your weekend. We'll do a podcast that will drop next Monday. And roll right into the next Cowboys game coming up Thursday night in New Orleans in the Dome against the Saints who got their ass kicked, at least with 
what, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter getting their ass kicked by the Bills tonight. Yeah, I expect that to continue. I would as well. <laughs> That'll move the Saints to five and six, taking on a seven and four Cowboy team. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.